0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Sponsored
2: by 1010 Podcasts.
0: The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club.
2: Welcome to episode 28 of the Celtic Exchange, this is Tino and today I'm joined by Miff and Chris. Ange Postacoglu finally took his first training session at Lenox on Thursday and swiftly followed that up by laying down a marker at his first official press conference on Friday alongside new chief exec Don McKay. The Ange Express seems to be filling up nicely with season ticket renewal figures of around 50,000 being reported in the last few days and from the uncertainty of a few weeks ago there now seems to be genuine optimism about what lies ahead Miff, are you up the back of that particular bus banging the ceiling giving all sorts or are you a bit more reserved at this relatively early stage?
0: Hello Tino, hello Chris, hello listeners all aboard I am banging that bus or about well, banging the window of the bus I don't like to be banging a bus that's maybe a different connotation but I am 100% all in on Big Ange Absolutely no doubt. Quiet confidence, you can see that coming from him. He, he, he seems, he seems just very, I, I just very self assured, which is something you obviously need as a as a Celtic manager. I'd said before, potential issue with how was was his character and 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 being quite introvert. I, I think Big Ange clearly has, you know, broad shoulders that he's quite happy to take a a load of weight on, and he seems to be well aware of the task that's ahead of him. It just speaks so well, and 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 the one thing I've I've been speaking to my mates about when I've been talking about them that that's maybe been slightly overlooked is the Aussie sporting mentality is a fierce one. They they are programmed to win. I think that just bodes well for the you know the, the type of mentality we want in our manager. I just I just like it. I t- I'm trying not to be too optimistic because it just sets you up for an absolute fall. But at this time of the season, when you've got no evidence to go on, you can be as optimistic as you want. You've nothing to suggest that it's not going to work. We just need to throw our weight behind them. The pitching season's over last season's done, doesn't matter what we do, it's not going to change anything, we just need as a support to rally behind them, and we need the board then to support them and let them
1: get to work. I'm all for that, math. Chris, what about yourself? Have you been able to look forward with a, a bit more optimism the last week or so? Yep, I'm absolutely delighted, again, obviously the man in the door. It's just like, again, it is that positivity we've been crying out for so long, I mean, this has been on for a long time and I feel the big man doesn't, it looks as if he doesn't suffer fools gladly, and as I said, just to, try to echo what I've seen in terms of mentality, you know the Aussie type mentality. And my whole concern was with the appointment in terms of what I said the last time I was on was about coming in and seeing Kennedy, seeing Strachan. There was a few questions were obviously raised, and in terms of what the backroom staff's going to like, going to be like. But he's come in. He said he's got to take. He's got to have time to assess. It's not a case that has been forced upon him. The big man will make the decisions, and that gives me a lot of encouragement because that's been the problem in the past he knows the task at hand right it's going to take time This is more like the only pessimistic kind of pessimistic spin on it i would probably say we might need to be a bit be a wee bit patient with big hands in terms of what he's trying to do and that's that's a big thing for Celtic fans to maybe try to swallow but i'm i'm all aboard okay, again just need to get with it and Hopefully we can big man can drive us to success. Yeah,
2: and obviously Friday was our first chance to see Ange and Don McKay together uh, in their first official press conferences. So there was the, the mainstream media event first followed by the fan media event. Plenty of headlines uh, have come oh, out right? of both and we'll discuss them in a bit more detail. But overall, first yourself, yourself, what is your, your first
0: impressions after having a chance to listen to both guys on Friday? Well, what I, what I did notice was there was a lot of kind of loving looks for, for Dom towards Ange. I don't know if you've seen some 40s man. They almost looked in awe at, at times. Uh, Find someone who yeah. looks at you like uh, ah, yeah, it, was quite, at Ange. it was lovely. Um, can I half expect them to rock up at the Queen Vic as the landlords man, Dom and Ange. I, I, it's hard to say. Mackay, I think, comes across well, but he's, he's for the corporate world. Even though he's he's a Celtic fan, you know, he's been Scottish rugby, salt and sauce. It's a completely different world. He's coming into it's Celtic. And the fan base and expectations are completely different from what we will be experiencing at Scottish Rugby. I think what he's did so far is he's did well. And the thing that impressed me most about Dominic Mackay, um, through everything that he said, he kind of reaffirmed nobody wants Ange Postecoglou to be more successful than him because he's brought him in. It looks like he Mackay really has genuinely identified him See from the way he spoke about him. From the amount of homework he's done on him, the just the way he talks about him suggests that he really did, did, this wasn't a kind of second choice city group type thing. That it was a legitimate second choice. If Howe said no, and that Postecoglou will get a blank canvas because Mackay needs Postecoglou to succeed. He's chosen him. He's brought him in. He wants just let like the fans Postecoglou do the best possible job. And as a result of that, he will get a blank canvas. Blank canvas when it comes to you know the his own staff and also how he, he spoke. As well about how the recruitment would look more broadly, and looking at the likes of Sevilla and Brentford as potential examples of that, I, I like that. I like the fact that we don't already think, you know, because I think we have been arrogant in the past, thinking, well, we are Celtic, and that's came across in our transfer policy. Well, we'll offer you five grand a week less, but we are Celtic. We're not employ for us. No, that that's not how the unfortunately the world works these days. But they're looking at examples of clubs who are effectively on the same type of budget bringing in players, spending transfer fees, but turning them around, selling them on, but also having success on the pitch. I think it's great that we're looking at those examples and we're trying to replicate that because the one thing that has been kind of standing out like a sore thumb over the past few seasons is, other than qualifying for the Champions League itself is the just complete lack of ongoing success, especially knockout success in, in, in Europe. And that has to be an area a focus for post go. I don't care if that comes in the Champions League, Europa League,
1: or Europa Conference League, as long as it comes anywhere, we need a sustained European run. A few slow more thunder there. That was it. See the old Brentford Seville thing. That's the thing that really got me. And see behind that is structure. That's the key thing with us is structure. And if you get it right, you're not going to get it right all, right all the time, right? Don't be wrong, but if you're planning a structure in place, then great. And I think arrogance has been the, I, I think we have been arrogant over the past few years and it's worked for us sometimes and sometimes it hasn't a lot of time hasn't worked for us but I'm encouraged by that as I said if you can get that structure put in place in terms of first and foremost the right guy right scouting network the right academy kind of development the, obviously in the background as well the right kind of sporting director structure whatever again whatever that may going to look, potentially going to look like brilliant as I said I'm off that. that was the thing that really stuck out for me in terms of saying hey, there that is the that is a blueprint let's get it in place he's ruggedly handsome he really is I mean, he's got that Tony, he sopr- is. Is a tony Soprano he's got,
0: he's got he is though isn't he I mean let's be honest. T. he has. whatever it is he's got it 100% and again that is the main
2: thing what we'll do is um, I mean you've had a couple of good points there early bells lads but what we'll do is I've plucked out actually a few of the really strong quotes uh, from the events on Friday so a couple from Ange and a couple from Dom really good to, to get your own guys thoughts on it but overall I think the the impression certainly you know from us in this room and otherwise wholly positive you know some really strong words and don't get me wrong you know Words and actions are very different things, but so far so good and first impressions have been pretty strong from the two. So what I'll do, the first quote will be one from Ange. So this one, first of all, it's in response to a question about who will be supporting him and his role at the club. So I'll give you Ange's response. Okay, so Ange says, there's definitely going to be a change in the way we work, the way we train and in the environment. And the people who will be in that environment are the ones who I think can drive us in the direction I want to go. I'll make those decisions in the next few weeks once I get a good idea of the people who are already in place but you can be assured the people who will be working with me will be pulling in the same way as I am in terms of the kind of football we want to play and the kind of football club we want to be. Chris, on to you first, what's your take on that?
1: I think that's a brilliant, breath of fresh air. Everything I'm looking to hear from my manager at the moment. Problems of the past, there have been decisions that have been made, been made for the manager. It sounds if the big man's got the autonomy to kick on and drive it in the right direction. It doesn't matter how good the football is, it will be judging success of the big man. So again, he's saying the right things for me. Let's time to deliver. And
2: obviously this is in response, people haven't mentioned the names, but it's really about Gavin Strachan and John Kennedy and what their involvement will be. As you say, Chris, it seems he's saying that he'll decide. So it looks like he's going to take a look at John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan over the next couple of weeks and then make a call from there. Whether he keeps those lads on and brings others in or he moves them on, you know, any number of, of things could happen. What's your take on it, Miff? What's your uh, some, summary of that?
0: I slightly disagree with what Chris is saying there for the point of view of success. I, I think... If he plays well and, say, loses out to Rangers by a, an acceptably close margin, but the style of football is, you know, one that wins the fans on side, I think he'll get a grace period. I think if we see free-flowing attacking football fairly early doors, you know, whether we win something or not this season, the size of the rebuild's probably big enough that it'll give him enough credit with fans. However, what I do accept is, if he don't get the free-flowing football and the results are in the great The combination of both are, are going to see him under pressure fairly early doors. So I like the fact he is so so clear in his vision and the way that he wants to work. And again, it, it makes me think that we are going to back him because otherwise he, he's not going to be a lame duck manager, dare I say, like Lennon was, where he just came in and had players thrust upon him and he was just happy to be there. So he worked under whatever conditions he was asked to work under. You know, whether striking or... Ken- Kennedy will be about for the long haul, it remains to be seen I can kind of see the merit in them being there just now, I appreciate there is a an urgency to want to clear the decks given the disaster that was last season and guilt by association, he needs some sort of transition period, he can't just parachute in himself and do everything himself he needs a transition period and Kennedy and Strachan are critical of that, whether we like it or not, it's just a fact, because there's no else there that could do the job and share the information and the players that they'll be able to give they know what went on last season. They know exactly what went on last season, and I think Postecoglou even made mention that people had reached out to him, like Rodgers, to say well done and get getting the job. I think he has quoted as saying that. For me, he needs that information. As 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 horrible as we might think it is to think he Strach and Ange sitting around Strach's laptop, it's it's a thing that has to happen. A bit like when you fought with your old burden and shared with somebody else, you need to see that to be able to move on. Why would you not speak to, to Strachan and Kennedy just to find out where it went wrong and
2: why it went wrong last season? It just makes sense and it's, yeah, it's maybe a painful part of the handover but it could be a very beneficial part as well.
1: Well, I think, again, you've got to have, a, you've got to have bodies there. You, know? you need to have somebody that's going to be there to keep the basically the, the wheels in motion. Right? I, I, I said a number of weeks ago that I think players will be dismayed if they come in and actually see to, in the training training ground but, but unfortunately we're at this point where there is nobody else that's probably... Again, it's, I know Andy's just basically on the door. Again, he's only come in on Thursday. They are there over the course of the next few weeks. It's over the anchor to assess the situation, as we've said, and then take it from there. But just coming back to the point as well, see, my concern is in terms of success, it's about getting that balance right. I don't always remember when, again, Tony totally Mowbray's been mentioned twice in one week, my goodness, but I always remember when. We were desperate to get rid of Gordon Strachan at the time. We'd fed again. We'd got to the end of the road with Gordon Strachan. We we're desperate to get Tony Mowbray in in terms of this free-flowing football that he was going to bring. And I remember obviously turning up to Parkhead sometimes, and you're playing four-two-four, and you're scratching your head, going, "What is going on here? This just overkill attacking. It just didn't, it just didn't work. So there needs to be that balance between getting everything. Well, getting it right in terms of attacking play, but also winning as well. It's not it just, it's, and I, again, I get what you're saying, Myth, in terms of, as there, there will be, I, there needs to be a, a grace period 100%, but it just depends. And you say what's the margins? It's, it's hard to yeah. get that balance. What,
2: what I find interesting in terms of the, you know, the, the success is demanded of Ange um, by certain fans are also the same fans that will say, but look at the size of this rebuild. There's such a big job to do. And look at the turnaround, look at the shambles we are." some guys will be saying that and saying, but we need to win the league this year. You can't have it both ways. And if you're accepting, if you're accepting that there's a big job to be done, and there definitely is. Then I mean, we'd all love to be in the league this year, and that is the hope, and that's that's what I'm targeting right now, and that's what I'm sure Angie and the players are targeting. But there's also got to be a bit of realism comes into the whole picture, and we need to look at the fact that he has got a depleted squad. He's three weeks out from his first competitive game, and he really does need to hit the ground running if we are going to have a chance of, of succeeding. So that will be an interesting one in terms of, yep, you know, success is the, is a demand of Celtic Football Club, but also being realistic is something else.
0: Just as a point of note, which is completely off topic and taking us away off the agenda me and the boys have our new Celtic strips. got them just to let you know how they looking oh it's beautiful
2: are you full kit Miff no 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 just the tap (laughs) (laughs) even wearing the shinnies just the tap just the tap tap. (laughs) fair (laughs) enough so moving on um, the second quote from Ange so this was from the the mainstream media uh, conference which took place first of all on Friday So this is in response to a question about what this might represent for Ange in terms of a jump in coaching levels. So going from where he's been to Celtic Football Club. So his response was, I'm not sure what you mean by jump, but I'm assuming you mean I've worked at a lower level or some lesser level. I guess that's a matter of opinion. I've coached at a World Cup. I've coached against some of the best teams in the world. So that's not the way I look at it. And he said it very strong, you know, and he wasn't arrogant about it. He was just putting across his point. And again, it was good to see. The thing I've picked up from some of his quotes so far is that a, he will defend himself as he's got a right to do so. He also seems to be de- defending Celtic already and it's, it's pleasing to see, isn't it? Absolutely. I
1: thought it was been a. actually I watched that. I thought it was quite cringeworthy. You not like... working on Friday, you take a bit uh, <clears throat> I mean, it was on lunch at the time, I believe, um, clocked off. But no, I thought it was a p- actually quite cringeworthy. Put the, put, I'm trying to put him in that position where t- he was tested. And he answered it well, but no, I thought it was good. I thought it was good in terms of way he responded. a number of things. But again, that was he was tested. He was absolutely tested. And I just again in a bit? As I said, the big man doesn't suffer fools gladly, but he looks of it. So even whether it be media or hopefully players, no, I thought the big man done well. Yeah, it
2: seems calm and assured, and you know he's got a certain confidence. Without you know, it can border on arrogance when that kind
0: of tone is taken, but I don't think he stepped into arrogance on Friday. No, and that's why I thought. Or I commented earlier about self assurance, that that's what came across for me. He, he obviously he's been waiting on this chance to work in Europe. If you listen to the Australian commentators, it's clearly something that he's he's had as a, a an ambition in his coaching career. And they you know, the Fully Australia or the Australian sports media seems to be, you know, delighted that he's been given this chance and, and are clearly aware of how big a job it is that he's secured. You know, he, he's not going to a proverbial football and backwater, you know, the profile of Celtic is, I know we are Celtic fans, but there is no doubt that Celtic is a worldwide profile. poster has that confidence, he, you know, he believes he has earned the right for a crack at a job like this, and I just think that's great, because he, he won't be overwhelmed, whereas, you know, a similar type of appointment in Dyla, as in left field and a bit less known, didn't have that experience to be successful in his own country, but had nothing like the the magnitude they, what the Celtic job entails. Again, I go back to the the Aussie sport and psychology. You know, being the Australian national manager, the Aussies would have expected to qualify for World Cups, and he provided that he would have been under pressure to do that, and he did it. Um, they won an Asian Cup as well. So, for me, he clearly has the right mentality, the mentality that's required. He won't back down when he's kind of challenged by by the media on, on issues, and I think it's it's just refreshing. I think it's refreshing. It's uh, and it's what the fans want to hear. We, we want somebody to come come out and fight your corner for us. He'll do that and we want someone that, that's that's just as committed and invested into the club succeeding as we are and, and he seems to be the, exactly that type of character. Yeah, I think what's really important as well, just to your point, Mif,
2: he certainly wasn't overwhelmed, he was very calm and assured as we mentioned, not phased in any way, shape or form, took everything in his stride which was good to see. What also is really important for me, I think in terms of the stage in his life and his career, he's 55 years of age, he is Really hungry for success, and he thrives, you know, in his own words, in his book, etc. He thrives on proving people wrong. This is potentially the biggest move of his whole life, his whole professional career. And this is, and obviously, he's been to World Cups and Asian Cup success and different things. This is a different chapter altogether, and nobody will be more desperate to prove people wrong than Ange himself.
1: Yeah, but see, I was just going to go well, now, Tino got great timing. Age profile again, I don't know BBA just in terms of being 55, but again, he's. Coming in at the right time, and he's no let's, let's just say, a, in terms of Brent Rogers or an Eddie Howe, if that was the case, in terms of one eye going down south, this guy's here and he's here to actually prove a point, as you're saying, to you know. So, I think it's fantastic he's going to come in and hopefully hit the ground running and say, Right, no, do you know what? This is a project, do you know what I mean? This isn't just some, this isn't for the next couple of years, and hope I can hit the ground running and then we'll just get a motor in the back of the car and down south again. This is a guy who's coming in to actually make a stamp on it and make, make a name for himself. I think so. And
2: all the comments from Friday seem to be about, you know, we're here to build something and we are here for the longer term. And yeah, he was leaning towards that. He wasn't talking about any sort of quick fix. And he was talking about, he did get asked a question by someone, I can't remember who asked it, about the the fact that, you know, from a lot of the stuff we've read and heard, particularly from the Aussie media, is that he does take a bit of time to get his ideas across. And his response to that was something along the lines of, it'll take as long as it takes. But what people always remember is a success. Wherever he's been, he is successful. And that doesn't sound like a guy who's going to come here for 6, 12, 18, 24 months. He sounds like he's a guy with a bit of a vision. And the good thing is, and the really important thing is, him and Don McKay seem to dovetail nicely. They seem to be on the same page with a lot of their, their chatting at the moment. It is chatting, the proof will be in the pudding. But a lot of suggestion about you know strategy and moving forward and being best in class and various things. And that's just really encouraging, isn't it? I think
0: that's where we want Celtic to be, is striving to be the best. I think world-class was the terminology that Domica we want to be a world-class on the pitch and off the pitch. So, listen, that's, that's a great start. If that's the way the head of the club's thinking, you know, the chief executive officer, great. If that's the way the head coach is thinking, or the manager, great. Let's aim for it, let's go. Get to work and get it done. Get the fans invested, give us something to believe in, and we'll get right behind it. And then there was chat for your man Leach this week that, We'd all be back in the stadiums by the end of August. Happy days. You know, imagine that. and you're getting off to a, a, a couple of victories at the start. The place buzzing again. Everybody's happy. Just forget the last year didn't happen. Just obviously we've
2: spoken about Dom Mackay uh, and some of the positive impact he's had from Friday and spoken very well. I know he'd spoken previously, but it was after, back in a shorter video piece just as Dom had landed. Uh, sorry, as Ange had landed. And this has been the first time, as I say, we've had to sit down with Dom and get some of his real thoughts. So what I'll do, I've got a couple of quotes from him. Uh, One is obviously leading on from what you said there enough about world class. So this was in response to a question about the the structure of the club and what that's going to look like moving forward. So Dom has replied, My intention is to make sure we evolve and modernise the club. What that means to me is looking at every single part of the club, whether that's football, whether that's business, whether that's engagement, and making sure we're benchmarked. Are we the best we can possibly be? Are we world class in these areas? And if we're not, then let's become world class and go on a journey towards that. And if we need to enhance and bring people in, we'll do that.
1: What's your take on that, Chris? Encouraging. But never ever again. Celtic are obviously we're always what we strive to be the best that we can be. And that's the mentality you have at a club at Celtic. And I think we've been probably a wee bit naive as probably supporters in the past few years to say that when we made the probably a Rogers appointment, we thought, no, we are there. That is the that's that's the type of appointment should be coming into place, that's what we should be aiming. But I think we have been a wee bit naive as a club in terms of some certain members of the staff having too much power in the club and and it's no driving us forward so I think he's looking at again referring to the whole Brentford and Seville kind of model the structure needs to be right so in order to be the best that you can be you need to have again you need to have the foundation so that is fantastic that's that's really really encouraging to hear but again it takes a wee bit of time in order to do that we need just we need to, again hopefully just get with it. It's encouraging, it's positive.
2: I think as well, you know, it's good that he's looking at all facets and all areas of the club. So he's not just saying, listen, you know, the recruitment was poor last year or whatever. He's basically indicating that various sections of the club need to be improved. And it's his job
0: as CEO to improve on that. The way that Mackay speaks, as I say, he comes from the corporate world. He's got a tendency to slip into that type of jargon, which you can forgive him for because that's what he knows. He will be well aware and seems well aware of the fact that there is multiple areas for improvement within the club communication, recruitment general football and structure and the playing squad. That latter part is is the bit that's probably alarming me the most of now because it still seems like more are going to be going out the door than coming in before we play Mitchell. It sounds absolutely great. We seem to have dynamic, forward-thinking people in the right areas at the club now. I CEO, head coach or manager, whatever you want to term, and jazz. And it's now how we follow that up. It's like anything else, you know, it's the follow-through. Are you going to do what you say you're going to do? Again, i go back to the point. A few decent signings and I was saying this prior to Ange getting appointed and, and prior to Mackay taking the reins. A few shrewd signings, a packed Celtic park and the world will seem like a better place.
2: Yeah, and it might not be too far away. And um, What we'll do, just to finish off this section, there's one more quote from uh, Don Mackay which I think is important to cover. So he was asked, um, just in response to how his handover experience has been so far and his early few weeks at Celtic. There's also a suggestion as well, as you said, Miff, you know people were questioning how involved he was or not with the Angie appointment and I think he's put that to bed as well. So I'll cover that here. So Dom said, I fully start on the 1st of July, but it'd be fair to say like all incoming chief execs, you want to make sure you put your marker down relatively early and I've been offered the opportunity to do that by the board and by Peter. Hopefully today's another small but simple expression of some of the things we're hoping to do. Bringing Ange in was a key thing that I wanted to do and I was given an opportunity to get actively involved in that and then leading that process. I couldn't be more delighted to be sitting next to Ange just now. And again, you know, as we've said, it's only words and whatever, but again, it's it's a really strong statement to make and I think
0: he's batting away a lot of the potential headlines with that, that one quote. If you're Ange, sitting listening to that, how does that make you feel? Very good. So straight, straight away, I think, it gives Andrew confidence that he's going to get what he needs to succeed. I think before the other manager were brought in, you have referenced Mowbray, I've referenced Ayla, we never really felt they were backed, I would go as far as to say Lennon as well. Whilst Lennon was backed to a degree, there was also players went back out the door as well at a high fees thing, specifically Tierney, Frimpong. You just get the feeling that this could and might be slightly different to what we've experienced before because we've got a synergy between the manager and the CEO. Have we really had that before? I think Lowell done it with Rogers to a point under duress, and then it fell apart because we had brought in a a, a manager that had equal the ego that Lowell had. So they both kinda had to work with each other for success, but it, it then it then fell apart. And that's ultimately led to to Rogers deserting. And now we have a manager and a CEO that seem very, very happy to be working together for a common goal. So bring it
1: on. Yeah, they seem absolutely on the same page. I mean, how important do you think that is, Chris? Big time. The cohesion needs to be there in order for it to work. It's math saying it worked to a certain point or degree with Rogers and Orwell, and then it just fell to bits. You need that. You need the communication. And I still think we need some form of technical director, a director of football, even in between them, because the two of them can't do it themselves. Whoever that may be, And I know there was obviously chat about it on Friday as well, but that's going to be vitally important as well there needs to be some the, the two of them can't do all themselves. them and I
2: think Ange can only be as good as the support team that's brought in around him both in terms of what players are recruited but also the staff that are brought in to, to support what his his goals are it was interesting so obviously as part of one of those questions about structure I think it was in the main media conference it was asked categorically is Gordon Strachan going to be the man and he just put the brakes on that right away and it's interesting again we touched on this last week but Celtic Twitter was on fire last week about F and Gordon Strachan and what's that all about and step back in time and everything. And we spoke about it and covered it in our, our show. But it turns out that it's nothing like the truth. And that's, it's just a, it's where we're at just now as fans, or some fans are getting very, very excited about anything that they can jump on. You know, whether it's the latest tweet or whatever. And it's hopefully a sign that we can now move away from these times. And there's definitely some more positive headlines. And don't get me wrong, the club, and I think they're right to do so, went big on all the Ange quotes over the weekend and different things because it was a very positive uh, couple of events on Friday and they're right to take out all the strong messages from that and carry them forward and hopefully a bit more posit- positivity can be seen moving forward. Um, what is very interesting, so it's, it's also very topical, is the fact that there was as I'd mentioned, the mainstream media event first of all on Friday and then a a fan media event that took place afterwards, so both very separate. We were fortunate enough to be there uh, at the fan media event, got a chance to put our questions to Ange and to Dom. And, you know, it was great to be able to be there and there was lots of really good people in that room. What took the headlines, as I'm sure you guys have seen, is it the first person who was given the opportunity to speak, in my opinion, just got the, the tone of the event wrong and I think he read the room wrong. He actually turned it into more of a statement and it be- became a bit of a rant uh, as it happened. So there was a few conspiracy theories in there, some chat about refereeing decisions, even some chat on Tony Mowbray, retrospective red cards and all sorts of stuff. And don't, don't get me wrong, some of these points may well be pretty valid, but I feel, as I mentioned there, it's, it's the wrong time and very probably the wrong place for that. Don't know the guy well, but from what I do know, I, I do believe he's a very decent, very passionate, very committed Celtic fan. But as I say, I think he just got the the wrong call there. He very possibly regrets his statement. He maybe doesn't, I'm not entirely sure. But the the headlines from the fan media event have been based on that. And are, a lot of the mainstream media, you know, well-known journalists, Tom English, Keith Jackson, Ewan Murray, they've all jumped on that. What's your take on that and, and how that's been uh, spun since Friday?
1: It's no surprising. First and foremost, I've been no surprise at all when I heard the statement. Um, I knew they would cause the reaction, whether it be in our own support or other support, in terms of kind of sticking the knife in. Again, I think you're right, you know, I don't think He's read dread the room night and I thought the fan event was actually really, really good. And I think it's great that Celtic are actually doing that in terms of reaching out to the fan base in order actually to get... Gets involved first and foremost, but also that I take her, can hopefully take her comments on board with regards to maybe potential decision making as well. So I think it's good that the club understands the feelings of the support. It's hard to get a balance in terms of having individuals across here and trying to kind of seeing drawing potential lines. But as I said, it was just a wee bit unfortunate that again it was probably question number statement number one because it does then kind of set the tone and then it's noise thereafter. A deal, but it's no, no, I'm no surprised at all. It's kind of quiet at the moment. Scotland are out of the Euros. Drums up a wee bit. I kind of debate and kind of stirs a horn. That's nice a wee bit.
2: I mean, I think that you know the whole event overall is something like 50 minutes uh, along the recording, and as you say, Chris, there's lots of really, really good stuff in from you know various contributors, and it's just unfortunate that this you know one comment has been the one that's taken the focus. And for anyone who actually wants to check out the recording in full, that's accessible through our YouTube and our Twitter page so you can see the the full fan media conference, including the first statement. So that'll give you a bit of context for this. It, it does tell you one thing as well, though, which I think generally is a positive. It shows you that, you know, a lot of people think that anyone who's in the room at those fan media events are you know, puppets for the club and they've been told what to say and what messages to put out. It couldn't be further from the truth, we can only speak for ourselves, but we are not dictated to in any way, shape or form. <laughs> you can clearly see from question slash statement number one of the event that this chap wasn't censored either. So that's a positive. Now, don't get me wrong, I think we all need to play the game in terms of how we approach these things. And I don't know if the club may speak to the chap separately, I'm not entirely sure. But we are given autonomy to ask the questions we want to ask and I think that's got to be a good thing when it's people of a Celtic mind asking those questions rather than some in the
0: mainstream media who quote-unquote are not our friends. How dare us peasant fans have the temerity to express their own opinion? I suppose what that, that does show is that the fan media is entering onto the radar of the, the mainstream media so much so that they, they choose to mock it, they want to take, which is quite typical of them, take a, a you know... A, 2 minute excerpt out of a 50 minute press conference and focus on what they regard as, as the one negative element of it rather than as you would expect quality journalists to do look at the whole thing and give a balanced opinion on it should we expect any better from the individuals involved i would suspect not i think you'd mentioned Tom English Keith Jackson honestly they've been covering scottish football for a number of years they've made their money off it they're quite happy they, you know, they, they're quite happy indulging in what I would describe as lazy journalism, so that, that that's fine. However, like most things in life, if you don't like it, don't watch, don't listen. People love films. Love films. Me particularly. I don't like horror films because I don't like being scared. So do you know what? I don't watch them. Simple as that. You don't like it, don't listen, don't watch. Simple. Yeah, and that's a very valid point because, as I say, there's been backlash in a couple
2: of different areas. So that's, I suppose that, that's one of the... Backlash A from the mainstream media, so the, the characters are mentioned. And I think they see it as a threat, you know, and they've got their big budgets and different things and fan media are coming at it from a different angle altogether. You know, in our case from a Celtic angle or getting access all of a sudden, and they they don't like it. The funny thing is, uh, the irony of some of Keith Jackson's stuff, he was first to slate it, you know, first to slate the event, but the record has since picked up some of the
0: quotes that came from the fan media event, so they they want the best of both worlds. Absolutely. Absolutely, and that that, that in itself sums it up. And I've also seen, I know other podcasts are a bit more, maybe shall we say high profile than ours, seem to have a bit more more noise about them, and some of the individuals for certain podcasts have been invited on to the likes of Sky Sports News and, and other things. Do you know what I say? Good on them. Because we forever go on about if a game's getting covered, it's Ali McCoist, it's Chris Boyd, it's whoever else, or what, Craig Beatty. What are we asking him for? What do you to ask Craig Beatty about Celtic for? After he gave at the beginning when he scored for the Jambos? And rightly so, why would you? still looks like he's got a coat hanger in the back of his shoe, didn't he? He always looked like he a coat hanger in his t-shirt. You then bring in people who are passionate about Celtic, who put out content about Celtic most days, most weeks. They're clearly knowledgeable enough to talk about it. Now, you might not agree with them. And again, if you don't agree with them, there's plenty of Celtic podcasts out there for you to go and listen. So if you don't like that one, find one that you like and listen to it. Or don't listen to any at all. But they're being asked in the right spirit. They're people who are clearly passionate Celtic fans who have been asked on for their opinion on Celtic. Yes, they could say no. They could say no and say, no, that's not route I want to go down. But for us, it gives us a fair reflection and a fair balance. They're not speaking for everybody. The same as MD from... even that's official from Celtic isn't speaking for everybody the same as you know Matt McGowan back in the day didn't speak for everybody that's life you won't get someone who speaks completely for every single Celtic fan but I still think it's relevant especially in the modern age where podcasts and fan media are becoming more prominent we are asked for an opinion from sections of that media I, I just think it's a natural progression in things so A I understand why Kind of old school journalists are, are threatened by it. They, they will say that they're not. Absolutely, they'll say that they're not because they'll think that we don't sound professional. I say we, but you know what I mean, because we're in that space, that we or fans don't sound professional. I get that, I understand that. We may not be as educated as them. We may not have done the university courses that they've done and that, that's fine. May not be able to articulate myself the way that they do. However, I've watched football for as long as they have and just because they've got a degree in, in English or journalism doesn't mean they know more about football than me or you. Or you. You know, I think they're they're walking a a shaky line here. I think what they should be doing is, like you say, they've used quotes from it, get on board with it, support it and work in tandem with it rather than just completely it. Because I I don't think that's very fair. Guys are giving their time. Celtics their passion. To mock it, I think that's the
1: easy way out. I think you've absolutely nailed it there, Myth, because dynamics of the world are now changing. Social media is massive. And once when... In terms from a media perspective, this was come out again. You got your news from the newspaper or certain channels, Scott Sport back in the day type stuff. That was where we got the kind of feedback from the club. That has now There is a threat, it's they'll they say there's no use. You've, you've already covered that, there is they'll say there isn't a threat, but it is because ultimately we are as, as supporters are now there and getting the feedback first and then they're using it for they are basically can to sell their papers to get the clicks. On social media type stuff. The, the, rightly so, they're going to be threatened by this. So they can't have it both ways, but yeah. and they need to be, they need to tread carefully.
2: They should. Sure I think, you know, to get a backlash from the mainstream media is one thing. And as you say, If the very fact are common commenting on it means they're sitting up and taking notice. The other thing which doesn't sit quite so well is there has also been a fair backlash from other Celtic fans who are questioning why are they getting access and why is this guy getting access, particularly because of the aforementioned opening statement at Friday's event. And I can understand that because fans will be to an extent cringing at that and saying, ah, that doesn't that doesn't sit well with me. But actually if people take the time to, as I say, listen to the whole event, there's lots of really good stuff in there. And I'm taking us aside, you know, there's also some really good commentators. And as you say, my f- some fans are like what we do, which is great and some won't, which is also fine. Find the media which is best suited to you and take that path.
0: You just mentioned there, Tino, it's balance. Go and listen to the whole thing before you make a judgement. And again, if, if it's not your thing you don't like it, absolutely fine. I, I do this just because I, I quite enjoy doing it. Simple, really simple as that. You asked me, and I said I, and I came and done it. And I've actually quite enjoyed it. It came at a time when we weren't doing the best. We could have picked our timing better if, if we think about it. And um, But with a, with a good laugh, and I've actually really enjoyed it. It's become part of my part of my little routine especially the bit that people maybe, maybe don't see is it happened during, um, during lockdown but we were still able to do it it actually was really really good for me just, just mentally being able to come out and, and talk got to see you guys you've seen different people and being able to talk about Celtic because you feel, felt really pent up because you couldn't get to the stadium and stuff like that so for me it's just been great and we've received so much nice feedback from the people that do listen to us what we're not trying to be is you know we're not trying to be everything for everyone We've got our opinions, we've got our kind of structure, our tone. That's the way we go about things. <laughs> I say it again, if, if it's not for you, you don't need to listen. No, Nobody's holding a gun to your head to listen. We're just a bunch of Celtic fans talking about Celtic. I would like it to like you would do if you were going in the bus or sitting in the pub talking about it. I think that's our style, that's how we come across. If people are going to be threatened by that, if journalists are going to be threatened by this, then they obviously aren't very self-assured in what they do.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think there's some really good points in there. I'm also really happy that you're, you know, I think you do this through your love of Celtic, but really pleased to hear that you're happy to do it for free because Gannon the boys get weighed in. Might have known, might have known. I thought that, so, so that when uh, Gannon turned up in the Lamborghini. Aye, so we'll, that. we'll have a chat with that on a separate occasion. So back to fo- football and matters. Um, we spoke about the structure and, and how that's going to look. And at the moment, no director of football, no uh, head of recruitment. And I think that'll be really key to Ange uh, in terms of, of who joins him. Because as mentioned, he seems to be a skilled guy. He's got the CV to prove it, but he can't do this all himself, can he?
1: No, no, you can need to he can, he can talk about structure, support. candidate do yourself, big Ange, candidate yourself. We need to get a model right, and we need to get get behind get behind them. See see the thing is, there is such a thing as a cult of personality, isn't there?
0: In life. Personalities do drag people along. And you see it in various, you know, kind of corporations around the world, different walks of life. And one thing Ange seems to be good at is getting by in. He seems to already have Dominic Mackay completely bought into what he wants to do, which is great, great for us, because it suggests he's going to get what he wants. And what now excites me is the players coming back for the Euros, and then what we see from that. Do we see a reinvigorated Callum McGregor back to the, you know, dare I say, the performance at Wembley was, was a, was a sight to see that, that Callum McGregor still exists, he's there, we just need to extract it back out of him. Did I say he might need to put his feet up for a couple of weeks because he must be absolutely knackered? Will Ryan Christie come back in? Maybe sign a year extension and and, and give us a decent year and get us into the Champions League. Will Eddie do the same? You know th- these are all things that it can't be off the table because I, I'm 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 banking on post the to identify who he wants to keep, who he wants to get rid of, and all that action to happen pretty quickly. But the most important thing is for by all that we we need additional bodies in as well as those guys to the side, we need those additional bodies and and those bodies are, are players, but also staff as well, because I can't think for the life of me that the ongoing backroom team are going to contain Kennedy and Strachan for any length of time. i seen Big Mick was there as well, yeah. um, at his first training session, Big Mick was was kicking about in the stunning new training gear. So, have you seen the new trackie? Have you seen the trackie? The trackie's a beauty, haven't you? Glad you had, Dan. If I, I, you're trackie. Trackie. I like you have the shirt, you're not getting a trackie. Well, just by the tarp. I just almost zipper like is a uh, zipper? at uh, uh, z- uh, well, it's a classic. Team like <laughs> Celtic take that the football, and <laughs> I'm calling myself a Celtic dad because I support Celtic and I'm a dad. Is that the qualifying criteria? Okay. Although it seems yeah. to have taken. It seems to almost just be like a middle-aged Celtic fan. It doesn't really, you know, your paternity doesn't really seem to come in. it.
2: Middle, middle-aged way, questionable opinion, so that's definitely you, Miff. So. I'm, in. I'm um, in. Just another thing, just back to your points on Ange there. Uh, one thing he did say, is you say, you know, as a personality, it seems that he pulls people into his way of thinking and into his culture and into his strategy. He mentioned something along the lines of some folk will join him in the journey and some won't and some will fall by the wayside and that's fine. And that sounds like one of the first things he'll be doing is working out the personalities. He'll say, you know, Ryan if this isn't for you, no problem, son, and on you go. Edward, if you want to stay, let's work about it, you know, talk about it and, and see if we can get you into the, the thinking. But I think he'll work out very early who his men are. And if you're not part of what he wants to do, you will be cast aside very, very quickly. And I think that's got to be a good thing. But as you rightfully said, Miff, additional bodies will be required. So one body who's been mentioned, as 19 is 19-year-old Hadjok Split slash Croatia under 21 central defender Mario Vuscovic, if I've got that correctly.
1: Chris, do you know a wee bit about him at the moment? Done not know about uh, digging online like many others probably have. And he looks to be a uh, ball-playing centre-half. Decent stature about him. I was very uh, probably very critical of uh, Stephen Mills previously in terms of probably his kind of stature as well probably about unfair at a time, but again, obviously quite sore after again, the Rangers game at a time. But again, I feel as if this boy has got the stature to progress to become everything we hope, the hope he can become in terms of the way that kind of signing that we make. Ball playing centre-half, seen set pieces as well, actually couldn't score for set pieces as well. So could be a shrewd investment. It could be. my the kind of profile that we should be targeting? So the fee
2: getting mentioned is around about 5 million, 19 years of age. So the hope would be that Dare I say we're working back to a slight money ball approach, but maybe it's a Brentford approach where we bring them in, we get maybe two, three, maybe even four good years out of him, and then sell them on for a massive profit. Would you be pleased with this kind of signing?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, to be honest, I'd be pleased with any kind of signing. You know? I, I, I would have seen the merit in Svitchenko, to be perfectly honest with you, in the sense of getting an experienced centre-half back in the door. The fact that we were, I'll say, gambling on a, a, a 19-year-old centre-half, listen, that's the type of money you need to pay if you want to get decent young talent. You know, how many how many similar types of profile players have, have we missed out on where we've, we've not spent that type of money on them? You know, thinking of the likes of Tony and, and, and such. Even Hickey when, when he went to Bologna. You know, just just pay the money and get them in. If you've identified them and you believe he's he's going to improve the squad, pay the rate that you need to pay to get them in. And, you know, for me, it's just simple. Gone are those days where we're, we're trying to haggle right up to the last minute. Identify them, get them in, and work with them.
2: Yeah, I think too often we've done the two, two and a half, three million pound signing, thinking they might be decent. They're a bit potential. They're playing in the second tier and all that stuff. This lad seems to come with high, high hopes. There's a lot of noise about him in Europe, and he's been mentioned in various different reports in the last twelve months or so. He he's a a level above by the sounds of it. You know, he's obviously new on our radar, but he sounds far more like the thing, and far more like somebody who would slot right into the team. And the thing is, so it's positive to hear news about this chap. We need maybe three or four of them, don't we? You
1: throw an Aaron Booth, we mentioned Aaron Hickey in there as well. I think I'd be another type of obviously, going by age profile and then it covers a wee bit more experience for us in terms of we know what the, what the guy's about. It's so an argument. That's a I think I'd be a fantastic signing for us. Again, the I think that boy has really got ability. When I seen him at Parkhead when it was was one of the games towards the end of the season, they came in and they played against with them, ran him ragged. He did actually, but he, I thought he played again. He has got a bit, about him. he's seventeen year old at the time yeah. as well. He still has a bit about him, he, he, he was he was just really good. You can tell again when somebody has got ability, it's just genuine ability there. You need, build his stature wasn't very big at the time, but he gave but again. He gave as good as he got with Dembele. and I think a year. He's been out there he's done, again, I think he's done reasonably well at Bologna. Um, and he's come out and actually mentioned it himself again. There is noise there. I think there's an appetite there because I think he is a Celtic fan as he well. Um, so you need players. We need more than that. But again, I'm excited to be hearing that. And again, you're throwing Sviachenko in there as well, Math. Every day of the week for me. He's better than what we've got. It's also interesting that all these guys that you mentioned here are
2: defenders. And I think it's a good a place to start as any for Celtic at the moment. So you could potentially get Arn Hickey in at left back, uh, Mario Viskovic in the centre. Maybe alongside Svirchenko, I'm less
0: convinced by the Svirchenko. By the way, lads, i know you used to. I've got a bit more. No, I, I, what I'm saying is it makes sense. I'm I'm not saying you would necessarily go and sign both those guys, but mm. potentially you might need to. if Fires going to leave, and and Julian still still recovering. Um, one guy we hadn't mentioned that, that we seem to have been consistently linked with. I know we've been linked with every Australian professional footballer, but uh, Matt Ryan, the keeper, yeah. was was a link which I quite liked. I thought that that would really solve a, a problem for us if, if we got
1: him in I just, I just I'm not so sure about the Matt Ryan one in terms of I would like like him in but to say the position with him in terms of he was Brighton Arsenal and back again I don't know what the kind of background is story Matt, Matt Ryan at the moment so I would love to get Matt Ryan in but I just don't know how that
2: kind of fits in with I just think he's a he's a goalie that Ange knows and trusts and that's really important for me but again as I said we're talking here solely about goalkeepers and defenders and I think that's really important and I think any manager getting into any new club looking to stamp his authority and to make them better, the first thing you do is stop conceding stupid goals and that can be done by, you know, signing quality defenders. I think some of the goals we conceded last year were criminal and I don't have the stomach to go over some of them, but set-piece concession and all that kind of stuff. If we bring in some really decent defenders and that's the first thing we do, you know, you keep a blank score sheet first and foremost and then you can build from there then that's not a bad thing the other uh, rumour at the moment so obviously we've talked about left back Aaron Hickey and the centre Vyskovic possibly Sviachenko right back is uh, a guy who's been linked with Celtic before I think back in 2019 George Baldock from Sheffield United Muff have you got any background on him? Well ju-
0: just I know that, uh, how well he'd played in the, the Championship and then in the the season that Sheffield United excelled in the, the Premier League and that was that was as part of Chris Wilder seemed to have that Revolutionary idea, which Steve Clark adopted partially, was the overlapping centre halves, you <laughs> know, going in the outside of the, the the fullbacks. But Bulldog was a, a fairly critical part of that. That Sheffield United team that did well, and and was a, a an attacking fullback getting up the pitch regularly, creating chances. Um, and again, good profile in terms of coming the lower league, scrapping hard to get his move, and then getting up to the Premier League with Sheffield United. So, in in terms of of the profile, it would suit his experience enough. I would like that signing, personally. He's, he's, a different, he's a different type of sign as
2: well. He's not the young potential. He's yeah, 28 years of age, I believe. So you'd be saying to him to just come in and do a job,
0: wouldn't you? Experienced. So aye, that, that that would do for me. As I say, I, I like Doig. I know I've mentioned him previously on on podcasts. I, I would like us to move for Doyle. I think he looks like somebody we could invest in. You would assume that Ball and Goal's got there's been absolutely no noise around Ball and Goal whatsoever, so I'd assume he's got to move move on or get shipped there's, out. There's another club in Turkey have come in for my a, yep. So you would assume that that will happen. You've got Greg Taylor who's there, and, and I'd be happy to keep Greg Taylor. I know he comes in for some 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 stick for the fans, but I, I think he's I think he's decent. I don't think he's anywhere near as bad as as people make out. Quite an easy scapegoat because he's a blue nose quite simply. You're the one that keeps saying that. Is I? Is I? I don't know, I, I can't remember. But Last season, such a day's. Well, State, he falls probably short of the consistent Celtic standard. I think he's a, he's a good guy to have around the squad. As we saw, I mean, I'm not saying for a minute Johnny Hughes would have made any difference last season, but he would, he would have been a guy, again, having him around the squad and his experience would have probably been good when we were in our kind of lower moments last season. And I would class Taylor. Taylor is the same, as long as he's not singing his Rangers song. <laughs> yeah. One thing uh, just, uh, I've just been reminded of there Samunovic, Samunovic
2: who we let go Is still without a club He's gone 12 months and he's he's found himself in the footballing wilderness And he's still quite a young guy actually And I hope he does find a club for his own sake But it seems all the more puzzling that Celtic couldn't have worked out Some sort of agreement to have kept him there for another 12 months Whether it be on, on lesser
0: wages or similar But anyway, it will remain to be seen so, whilst, whilst he was a, a, a limited centre-half Again, he is better than, than what we retained that's it. There's two
2: ways to look at it. A, you know, are they better than what we've got? And I would argue at the moment he, he most certainly is. But B, the other way we've also, I think, got to look at it as can they improve us on the bigger stage? You know, it's one thing saying, let's improve on a very average team from last year. You also want to kick on and make sure you're doing something, as you see, Myth in Europe as well. And and finally, just on that point, you'd have to ask yourself, why is he not going to call yeah, that's true, and there's you know questions remain over his fitness and different things. But as I say, I hope for him as a guy that he finds himself Absolutely. back in football Absolutely. very very soon. So just as we're starting to draw things to a close, Chris, where are you at in general terms now? Just in terms of your, I suppose your levels of optimism compared to well, two two times a week ago, and also compared to that Friday where we heard that Eddie Howe wasn't coming to the club. Where are you feeling in general?
1: I'm let's just say I'm getting there. Now I just the noise is, the, the positive noise is good. If that makes sense. we talk, we've talked about signings. We've, talk, we've talked we've well, talked obviously about the kinda of fallout from um Friday as well in terms of from Dom and Ange and it's all positive. It's good. Again, it's it's no again there was worries about club going in a certain direction about terms of decision making and stuff like that. The big man seems to be in the building. He's the one that's gonna be making the decisions. There's gotta be cohesion between him and the chief executive. It's positive. So the noise is good at the moment. So long may that continue with the proof, again will be will be depends how this is gonna be delivered and it's Again, I just keep my fingers crossed for the big man. As I said, he it can, it can just get it right in terms of get get winning. Um, I've said that the way that I look at it, and I'm, this is a, from a positive... Again, I'm just looking at the next two months. A full Celtic Park with a couple of wins it stands in good stead going forward. So that's the way... I, I'm I, I'm not really hoping... I've not got really much hope for the Champions League qualifiers. I'm going to put my hands up and say that now. Uh, it's definitely far too soon. Again, I know I really should be writing that off, but um, my expectation over the next couple of months domestically, get the players in, get the, the coaching structure in, get Celtic Park, get fans back in seats and you'll see a difference in Celtic. Yeah, it'll all look very different if that's the case. What about yourself, Miff?
0: Yeah, hey, I think we've got to win the league by 20 points and win the Europa League.
2: The Europa League? Yep. Are we not going to make the Champions League? No, this time around? And
0: no, no. just got to double
2: the league that by. buy. Such a smart man, isn't he? Oh, he's just so handsomely smart. But in general terms, you feel a lot better.
0: <laughs> no, I, 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 feel, I feel, I feel optimistic. feel I feel, but I'm forcing myself To be optimistic Because Like I said before the, the whole playing squad Thing Needs rectified ASAP Been saying that for six weeks But we need to know Who's staying We need to know Who's going And we need to get bodies in
2: Yeah And hopefully we've got Some of those answers By the next time we speak to you So with the formal introductions Now all out of the way and can finally get down To the hard work Of prepping the players For the competitive stuff Which is now Only three weeks away the early comments from Don McKay have been encouraging and we'll be hoping that actions speak just as loud as words and that is backed accordingly when it comes to both recruitment and to the staff he brings in. The next week or so should go a long way to giving us those answers. Our thanks to Miff and Chris for joining me on today's show and as always, our thanks to you for listening. If you're enjoying what we do, please continue to support us by sharing this episode with any fans who you think will enjoy it. You'll also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening, we'll see you again next week.
1: sponsored by 1010 Podcasts.